0: Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will here with Schedule Fly, and I got Marshall Davis on the phone today. He is in Raleigh, uh, and he's been on the podcast before. Last time we, gosh, we were sitting there. You got you, you and Angela are educating me on mezcal. So uh, different times, man. I um, uh, appreciate you taking some time today to kind of catch up and let me know what's happening with y'all.
1: Absolutely. The Mezcal's still here,
0: by the way. <laughs> um maybe maybe more so than it ever was. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'd be yeah, i I suppose people are maybe having a little bit more now than they're used to. Um well, okay. So you've got um you and Angela Salamanca are partners at X which I know was you know, you've been trying to get open for a while, so we have that going on and um you've got the mezcaleria and Centro and all that. Um what's um What's the latest, man? I mean, like, wh- what's happening with... where? How close were you to opening Exvoto before this all went down?
1: We were really close. I mean, uh, it's it's relatively speaking, because we felt like we were really close for a long time, but um, we were actually scheduling our, our um, meetings with the... Preliminary meetings with the health department and, you know, doing walkthroughs and stuff like that. We were looking at about three weeks... Um, from when kind of everything started falling apart around here. So um, we would have been open arguably
0: right now. Unreal. And that's after delay, after delay, after delay, after delay over all this time. And it was in a food hall in Durham. So that's obviously closed. That's out of your control. Are y'all, um, is everything just kind of, I mean, obviously that's put on hold. Do you have any sense of, um, I mean, is the landlord working with y'all? or had, I mean, had you even started paying rent or what was going on with that?
1: We we haven't started paying rent, but it's it's definitely um, it's definitely coming um, shortly. We uh, we aren't exactly sure how it's all going to shake out because you know everybody's kind of scrambling to figure out how to handle this situation. Um, you know, as as tenants, we all want to. Well, I would say most of us want to hold off um, as long as we can, um, as far as opening. Obviously, all of us want to not pay rent as long as we can, because we can't do any business. Um, but I think the the big hurdle, especially for spaces like food halls that are, you know, absolutely gathering spaces, um, we're just concerned about how do we open at this point? Like, what does that look like? Um, and then what are the ramifications of opening in any sort of, um, you know, different way uh, than a conventional grand opening of a food hall, um, you know, where that hall and uh, specifically, you know, the, the vendors were, were curated for a specific reason. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, there was a lot of intention on the plate and that this was a space where you would go in and actually have an experience that wasn't built as a, as a hub for takeout. And so if, if that is what we end up kind of having to do, at least in the beginning um, it's a bummer for everybody because you know most of our food, uh, most of our menus are not you know written to be served that way. Um, so it's gonna take some, you know, some work, we're gonna have to figure out kind of what we can offer because um, we definitely want to, you know for everyone's first experience with this brand to be a positive one. Um, so that's kind of the, the hurdle we're looking at right now. Um, the The circles that I've been running in, they've been saying maybe, July, um, June or July, hopefully trying to get, um, takeout going before that. But but I mean, you know, everything changes day to day, so we don't really know.
0: Okay. For something like that, where you were, were close to opening, but you weren't open. So you, I mean, did you have, did you have staff already that you had hired?
1: We did. Um, we, we had some, so our chef has been on retainer. For the entirety of this project, so we brought him on. I mean, it's it's almost been two years. Um, next month it'll be two years um, that we've been trying to get this thing going. Um, so, uh, Angela's given our chef work over at Centro um, in the interim, um, but he you know he quit a a, a different job that he was doing, or he was making you know considerably more money. So we've we've been kind of taking care of him. Um, splitting the difference um, for a while, and we had lined up staff, at least, a, you know, I'd say 80% of staff for the new for Expo, um, and, you know, we lost everybody um, because everybody lost everybody. Um, since and guy up learn, everybody got laid off. Um, you know, we gave everybody two weeks of pay, even though we had closed the doors, um, and... You know, we tried to keep in communication with everyone the best we could. Um, we cleaned out our walk-in. gave gave all of the all of the produce um, to our staff, and that's kind of dormant.
0: Um, so, well, okay. So, in in the situation with X Ex, are you able to? I want to. I want to get into the PPP and what's happened with the CARES Act and unemployment issues and things like that. But that that's a little bit different than you know Centro or. Something that's been open for a while. What what happens in that situation?
1: No, we're in, in, in el, el, sorry, we are ineligible um, for any of that assistance um, because we, you know, we can't. We, we weren't open yet, so yeah. we don't have any numbers to reference what aid would look like. So all of these businesses that didn't get open, um, you know, there there's pluses and minuses to it. You know, the good thing is. We aren't sitting on a whole bunch of product that we couldn't move or something like that. Um, You know, we didn't we didn't actually have a a bunch of people on staff. We had just they had the promise of a job. Um, So for those people that were kind of holding off, it's unfortunate for them because they might not have been working for the past few weeks uh, when they were looking for work with us maybe months and um, you know they were they might have held off getting other work because they knew that they were about to start with us and then this fell through so those people have been affected Um, you know we've we've reached out to the ones that you know continued contact to see if they were able to get unemployment um, through their previous work and some of them have um, you know at varying degrees but you know the whole unemployment thing here is is a a nightmare right now. You know, it's, they're overwhelmed and most of our staff, um, or most of the people that I know in the industry haven't gotten, you know, haven't started getting paid out yet. So there's a lot of uncertainty there.
0: Oh, people, uh, they, so they filed, but they haven't gotten paid yet.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there was, the website was bogged down so much for those first few weeks that, you know, employers were spending hours and hours in front of the computer trying to just process and, you know, the website would crash every 20, 30 seconds. So you'd have to start over for each employee. So, you know, for a business, you know, I was helping Angela with, with the Centra stuff. And, um, you know, that, that staff is like 60 people, maybe, um, maybe 50 total versus, you know, some of our friends that have two, 300 people on staff, it's like, it's taken a long time to even get that stuff processed and, And once it's processed, you know, a lot of people aren't, aren't seeing the money, um, or they're, you know, the website says that they're in limbo. Um, so, you know, like I said, we're, we're doing what we can and we're reaching out and saying, Hey, if there's anything we can help you with immediately, that's you know not money because we don't have any, um, you know, if you need a place to stay, if you need food, um, we're all kind of doing little efforts like that.
0: So there's a lot of people that have, um, At this point, maybe it's been processed, but they're not seeing the money. So they don't have a job. They don't have any money coming in. They don't really know when it's going to come in. Now, when it does start coming in, is, are they, one of the things I'm hearing, Marshall, I'm curious about this, because, I mean, there's just so much information. That's why I'm trying to do these things and just trying to find out what I can from various people, what people are hearing, what people are actually seeing, you know, the gap between those. Is it correct that they will be at like950 dollars $950, $950 a week? Uh, that
1: is the maximum. That's the um,
0: maximum, and that's based on how does that calculate?
1: So my understanding is everyone that was laid off because of COVID, um, that they have access to $600 dollars a week uh-huh. um, guaranteed. and that started on the fourth, the week of the fourth, um, people that I know that have been, that have been approved before that. Some of them have not seen that money, but then there is also a three hundred and fifty dollar um, buffer that was the original unemployment max in North Carolina, um, and so when you applied initially, um, you would get up to three hundred and fifty dollars a week, and then the six hundred dollars was on top of that. So, if you were making, you know, well over, um, you know, nine fifty a week, um, or I'm sorry, if you were making well over three fifty a week then you would be, you know, you would qualify for the 350 and you would be getting the 600 kind of no questions asked. So 950 a week, which for a lot of people, um, you know, is is a comfortable, you know, place to be. Um, you know, some people made less than that. Some people made more than that. Um, but, I, you know, the overall consensus is that that's enough, um, definitely enough for people to, to hold on for a bit. Um but the problem is, you know, not everybody's eligible for that, and not everybody's in the same situation um, to have access to that, you know, the 350 buffer. Um, like if you hadn't been working for the past few weeks like those folks we were talking about at Exvato.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they're not – okay. And then what about people that they wind up getting the 950 or some something close to that, they're, that's through the end of July – I believe if that's the current situation, right? Are there? Are, do you and Angela and your team run into people that, at whatever that is, like twenty-four bucks an hour on a forty-hour week? Do, do do you run into people that aren't going to want to come back because they they were making the... absolutely okay? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's that's the big hurdle right now. So, you know, our our conversations kind of through the you know the, the business owners that, that we've talked to. It's like how do you incentivize that? There are people that you know um, that need this work. That are, are restaurant people for life. They love it. It's what they do. They're heartbroken because they're not able to do it. And um, you know those people are going to come back to work, whether you know whether or not they were making the same amount of money or or more. Um, you know that's those people are going to be in line because they want those jobs. Because the truth of the matter is. You know, not everybody's going to make it out of this. I don't think. I mean, I think it's safe to say that not everybody's going to make it out of this. And so, um, I think we're going to see a portion of a you know our workforce here locally that needs work. Um, so I think you'll see a mixture. You'll see people that are comfortable, kind of um, sitting back a little bit, and then you'll see people that that see that money is you know has a, a deadline, and they're going to want to get back to work to kind of guarantee a space in one of these kitchens or, you know,
0: front houses that, that they like, um, yeah, well, it's it's a big challenge to your point. I mean, unfortunately I, I agree. Um, I don't think, you know, there, there are, there's going to be some number of restaurants that don't make it through. So whether it's there in Raleigh or anywhere in the country right now, if you're, if you're riding that, you know, $950 $950 a week wave through the end and thinking you're going to go get it, go get a job back after that. That could be myopic because, you know, whereas in the past, y'all have had a hard time finding and keeping good people because they're just, you know, everybody was employed and it was just, you know, there just weren't enough people to refill these jobs. That's right. probably going to change significantly. Um, it will, Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: I think the the other the other challenge there, you know, the the other side of that sword is that, um, you know, the the style of business is going to change when people do reopen, um, at, at least temporarily, but maybe forever. And so, you know, whereas uh, a traditional restaurant like Centro that has you know um, half of the staff is front of house, half is back of house, um, and you know front of house was relying on tip income you know if we're doing a takeout scenario the tips aren't going to be nearly what they were before um so you you couldn't i mean there's no way to make an offer to a server uh, that could match 950 a week i mean i just i just don't see it happening doing takeout unless unless you're just killing it which nobody is around here because the idea is that people are staying at home Um, and so even with you know, even getting back into the kitchen, even kind of reopening these businesses, it's gonna it's gonna be operating at a, a fraction of the you know speed that it was before. Um, so I think you'll get your your kitchen workers back first, um, and I think that most businesses will likely leverage their management in the front of house um, yeah. until they can staff up. Um, which kind of leads you into the PPP loans and and that kind of thing. It's you know it's it's really tricky business, and it's super risky um, for a lot of business owners to to take out more to go into more debt, um, especially when they know how hard it's going to be to restaff.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. Uh, you've got you're forced to close, and then the only way to really continue is to is to take out debt. Um, the other part of that is. You've got – well, I'm curious what what you all are thinking in terms of planning because there's just no way. I mean, before, you could sort of get a sense based on previous volume, previous years, you know, on a month-to-month, week-to-week, even day-to-day, like roughly what your volume would be, roughly what your revenue would be. Therefore, you can plan your labor – accordingly now it's how do you even begin to plan for that i mean is it take out for a while and then people are slowly coming back Do people flood back because they just want to get out there's just i mean what do y'all think like I, I i sit around and think about i'm like i can't even imagine having to think about that what, what do you and angela talk about when you kind of revisit your business plan because you're kind of having to start from scratch almost aren't you
1: we are and i mean so we're literally like this this week is kind of the, the first week that we're starting to sit down and kind of put our heads together to really figure out a reopening um for a while we've been spending you know for the past few weeks we've been spending it you know cleaning up um and now it's time to look forward so i think the obvious thing is um at least here uh, you know it's not it's not going to be a flood back um uh, these they're not just going to say, okay, coast is clear. Everybody back, yeah, uh, back to normal. Um, you know, there's going to be limitations on, on how many people can be in a space. I think we've heard the number of like 20% of capacity thrown around. Um, and for a, you know, for a lot of small businesses, mm. you know, that's an impossible number to have. I mean, it's a silly number to have inside. I mean, that would be like 12 people at Centro.
0: Um, and, you know, not sustainable. People- <laughs> What's that? Not sustainable.
1: Not sustainable at all. And so, um, you know, so most people, I think, are if, if they are if they have closed their doors, they're looking at the option of, of takeout as the first wave of reopening. Um, I think that for a lot of businesses, you have to reevaluate your menu for takeout, and you have to streamline, especially if you're a business like us that closed down completely. You know, now we've got to take the risk of bringing in product. So we need to be really wise about what we're bringing in and how we're utilizing it all um, so really what we're doing is we're we're kind of looking at eight ingredients and then saying what can we do with these eight ingredients like we know that we need this this and this because this is what the people want here these are our top sellers how can we diversify that to make to flush out a menu versus before I mean in, in the building, um, we were, we had four menus, we had a lunch menu, a dinner menu, a brunch menu, and the guy who menu. menu. Um, so that's a ton of stuff to prep, which there's no way we're going to do that. It wouldn't be smart to, to reopen like that. Um, mm-hmm. so more than likely it would become one kind of collective menu, um, limited and, you know, distilled down to the, you know, the top 10 dishes that we do, um, something like that. Um, We're also looking at, like, a weekly subscription kind of thing, um, kind of seeing how people are enjoying being at home or enjoying cooking more. You know, maybe we can spark that and kind of um, beef up our takeout and to-go offerings. So, you know, we're looking at doing, like, a weekly dinner thing where you could pay a a subscription and pick up, you know, dinner for the family um, once a week or something like that. I mean, we're we're throwing all sorts of ideas around Um, and, and, you know, right now the weather's so nice and we've got that beautiful patio at Gayo Pallon and it's such a, a waste and we would love to, to have guests out there. Um, so we're, we're also considering once, you know, some of these um, restrictions are lifted to maybe utilizing the space at Gallo Pallon during the day um, when it's normally not open and, you know, bringing guests in to have lunch on the patio
0: if we're allowed to, things like that. Yeah. Well, I love the subscription idea. Uh, that's really cool. I mean, one of the things, one of the, I mean, if you try, if you just try to find any kind of little silver linings that may come from this, you know, the, the being forced to get creative because of necessity could, could result in something you never would have thought of or done before that winds up being, you know, a really successful idea. Um, Something like a subscription is really cool. If you can sign up people that are paying on a you know recurring basis like that, you've got a little bit more of a predictable revenue stream. So, um, and y'all are y'all being you, Angela, your peers in Raleigh, your peers across the country that that own and run independent restaurants are a very you know collectively a very creative group. So I'm hearing all kinds of really, uh, just really fantastic ideas of things that y'all can do going forward who knows when we start testing them. Uh, but, uh, I love the way that, that you are you know, trying to come up with things that are, that are realistic. Cause there's some folks I think that are, you know, unfortunately I think that are thinking that things are going to go back, you know, to normal sooner rather than later. I, 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 think that's a tough, tough path to, to consider that.
1: Right. I, I just, I don't see any, any reason to believe that right now for us. Um, you know, and, and, we are a very optimistic bunch, um, you know, but we're, we have to be realistic. And, you know, our number one priority right now is getting people back to work. Um, and so, however we can do that on whatever scale, um, you know, we've got people that want to come back to work with us. I'm sure we'll lose some people. Um, you know, a lot, some people that I talk to are, you know, reevaluating all sorts of things, like they, they maybe want to go into a different line of work. Or something like that, um, or they've they've gotten jobs already in in other fields um, because you know there's a shortage of workers in grocery stores and sure. you know, these big box shops and stuff like that. Um, so I've seen some people you know just pivot. Um, I'm a lifer, so <laughs> we got to figure this out. Um, and I think that there are avenues. I think that the trouble is we you know we're so emotionally invested in our crew that we want everybody to come back to work and i think that the truth is it will be six months before we're able to you know bring back those type of numbers um unless unless something you know miraculous happens and we're able to really like get you know get back to our full capacity um we just can't afford i mean doing a weekly subscription or doing takeout i mean you're still looking at a um, for many of us looking at like a 60% decrease in sales, even with that
0: stuff, even so. with that, you're still at 60. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about, um, you can, and you can talk about your specific situation there in Raleigh, uh, or just what you're seeing generally. I, I, I'm curious how landlords are handling this. Uh, clearly, you know, y- y- y'all have got to be able to sustain some kind of a model to, to, you know, keep the space and of course if they're not being flexible then who's going to fill all these spaces I mean there's hundreds of thousands of independent restaurants across the country and of course then the landlord's got to deal with the mortgage holder I'm just what are you seeing on that front Mark
1: so for us, uh, Angela owns the building. Ah, that's um, right.
0: I forgot about that. She
1: does. So yeah. we're, we're fortunate in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, she still <laughs> owes herself, yeah. uh, you know, she's still paying for it, but you know, they've, they've offered some, you know, some, some banks around here and across the, the nation, you know, are offering, you know, interest only payments for, um, you know, a two or three month deferral and things like that, which help. Um, some landlords are completely forgiving and they're feeling generous and they know that kicking someone out in the middle of this, it's going to be impossible to, to fill that space. Um, some of the ones that are less <laughs> thoughtful, maybe, um, we have heard of, you know, some landlords sticking it to people and saying they, they got to pay. Um, fortunately, no one in our, in our kind of circle that I've heard of has, has hit anything that's, that they feel like they can't get around. Um, but again, we'll, we'll find out when everything shakes out in the end. Um, Mm. I know that for, for housing, a lot of our folks have reached out and said that they, um, that they're okay, that their landlords are, are forgiving or giving them one month free or something like that. But again, once this, once this aid kicks in, if people have the, the 600 to 950, um, they should be fine wherever they are
0: um how about the uh the ppp process uh, in terms of you know i've heard a lot of different things about depending on you know if, maybe if you work with one of the large national banks people have had a hard time even getting you know getting approved or not even approved having had a hard time even just getting the paperwork done some smaller community banks have been real helpful um what have you all seen
1: we we're fortunate that we've we've got a, a really good relationship um, with our bank, um, and we we had just done Exvoto through this bank. Um, and do you mind
0: sharing what bank it is?
1: North State Bank.
0: Oh, that's our bank. Yeah, we like them a lot, whole lot. Yeah. Very good so
1: bank. Um, so we had, we had done the loan for Exvoto through North State, um, and then we switched everything um, over to Central and Guyapalone. All of that stuff got switched over to North State. So, you know, we they owed us one. I mean, you know, they they were looking out for us too. Um, and so we've we've been approved, from my understanding, um, but not without some headache. You know, um, there's there was things. It, it was a really convoluted application process. It was really difficult for people to get through. And you know, a lot of these small business loans are are you know just stacks and stacks of paperwork they're so difficult and so dense um you know especially for for you know restaurant people that aren't used to reading all the legal stuff like that um and so we had a few snags in our in our first application but from my understanding um everything's been corrected and we've we've got the offer um we still have to decide if it makes sense for us to take it um because there's still uncertainty about the forgiveness side of it. Um, it's just not clear, you know, exactly what you need um, to, to get forgiven. And if we take on this, this added debt, and then for some reason we hit a snag, um, you know, it, it could put us right back kind of where we were, um, which, is, which would not be a good thing, especially trying to open a brand new, you know, venture as well.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, so you okay, so you've so you're still trying to make that decision. Um and uh okay. I think once they I heard this morning that once they Did you get a POP number? I guess you didn't if you haven't decided yet.
1: No, I and and Angela is handling most of that. We okay. haven't we haven't had our our meetings yet today, so okay. I'm not sure kind of where where things have landed. Um but when we met on Friday, that was when I found out that We had been approved, but for the wrong amount of money because we had done the kind of the the math on how it's calculated um, incorrectly. And so we resubmitted the math. um, And I I believe that they were able to kind of push it back to the front of the line uh, instead of sticking us in the the tail end. But we've got friends here in town um, who still haven't even gotten offered the paperwork to start the process from their banks. Um, A lot of people are having trouble.
0: Yeah, I would encourage folks that are having that issue uh, and spread the word. You know, you can find banks in other parts of the country that are small community banks that, you know, by nature of technology now, you don't necessarily have to have a local bank. It it certainly helps, especially when you have one like North State that's there and you can have a, you know, eye-to-eye relationship, handshake relationship with people. But, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, like yesterday I spoke with Brett Oliverio from Sup Dogs down in Greenville and Chapel Hill, and uh, he works with uh, Wells Fargo and just couldn't get anywhere and couldn't get anywhere yep. with some of the other banks. So he literally found a um, he found a community bank in Oklahoma. He found it on Twitter. Uh, some CFO of a community bank in Oklahoma had responded on Twitter to some person that Brett was following that was putting out a lot of content about PPP loans and I don't know. anyway. So Brett contacted the guy and said you know i'm in north carolina can you help me the guy said i sure can so uh just for those of you that are you know kind of banging your head against the wall with your bank you know there's just look around there's other opportunities out there banks that are maybe not having to deal with as much volume that are smaller that that may be able to help you um
1: that's really helpful i mean i I wasn't aware of that um and i know of a few close friends that, that have been posting specifically about the Wells Fargo issue. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll, as soon as we're you know done with this conversation, I'm going to reach out to them and just make sure they're aware of that. Cause that's, that can be really helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no doubt about it. And if they, um, you know, if they want to reach out to me, I can connect anybody with Brett. I can't remember the name of the bank. I don't even know if I've I think I may have failed to even ask him on the, but it's on a podcast I did yesterday with him. But, I mean, Brett's a great guy. He's really helpful. I'm sure he'd be very happy to help, not only with that, but anything else he learned, you know, uh, through going through the process. And uh, But he was real pleased with what's been happening since he connected with that bank. Uh, so Good. maybe there's some, you know, other opportunities out there. And because um, the, the Wells thing is not going to change, unfortunately, I don't think. I mean, he, he even said his – you know, the guy who's his banker there, I mean, he's in these loved wells for all this time. And many people do, you know, been a good bank for him, but his banker lives two doors down the street. And he said, I I use this above my pay grade, man. I can't help you like this. I just nothing I can do such a big organization and so much that has to be done for that to get done. So this is where community banks really shine and where they have the, uh, you know, a big advantage in their value proposition, uh, and being a little bit more nimble and flexible and one of the things too that the banks are dealing with right now which I know is slow in the process is they have to once they give you up what's called a PLP number where your loan's approved they have to they have to give you funding within 10 days and one of the things that's slowing them down right now is they want to make sure they're not it's just so convoluted this whole thing, and they if they don't get the money to you in ten days, and they could they could lose the government guarantee. So the banks are kind of sitting on this, going, "All right, if we don't get this right, we're going to sit on all this debt that has no government guarantee that we're not making any money on." So that's I think that's causing a lot of the problems with this being slow. At least that's what one of my banker buddies was telling me this morning. So.
1: Right, and I mean the way that it's written, you know, there's there's dates kind of you know in there that are talking about you know if by this date you are at You know this percentage of you know work again um and everybody's like well you know that's all well and good if things don't change right now like we can plan towards that date but if if things change more you know now we're locked into something that we're not sure that we can deliver on you know it's it is it's very tricky
0: yeah this is there's just so many parts of this that are so complicated man well um well hey marsha one more thing i want to ask you about is i saw you know as I, we were talking before the um we started recording you've got this phenomenal looking home that you and your dad designed there in raleigh and i mean it's like a landmark uh place it's really cool what i've seen that. i didn't know it was yours but one thing i saw on your instagram this morning was a bunch of signs in your yard um you want to talk about that what that's about
1: yeah so um uh in the in the first week that that really depressing week when everybody kind of went home and we, you know, deep cleaned our our bar and shut the doors. Um, We, you know, we started to think about kind of how can we help? And, you know, there's a lot of people in this industry that are uh, immigrant workers um, that are a huge part of the the restaurant. I mean, well, many industries, but definitely the restaurant industry um, across the nation. And we realized that there's a lot of people that aren't eligible for, for this government assistance. Um, and we know, um, you know, that they are in many cases, these people are the core of, of restaurant work. You know, they're dishwashers, they're bussers, they're, you know, some front of house, uh, a lot of kitchen workers, um, and, and not just undocumented folks, um, you know, people that, are in the application process with their, you know, with visas or citizenship. Um, And there's, you know, there's a lot of tangled mess involved in that um, in this country where people are nervous about, um, you know, asking for government assistance um, because they'll get bumped from whatever list they're on, uh, whatever space in line they were. Um, And so we just realized there was was a a bunch of people that, that needed help. Um, so I started up a little fundraising campaign called all hands, um, and, you know, here all hands Raleigh, but the idea was that if it was successful around here that, you know, we could do an all hands, Durham, all hands, Chapel Hill, et cetera. Um, and started by doing some t-shirts like a lot of people are doing, um, just to raise money. Um, I partnered with, um, a company out of Durham called, um, humbly made. Um, and what are they called? humble mate brand
0: humble okay Um, got
1: it yeah he's he's got a clothing line um really cool stuff um and he's a friend of a friend and he said that he would you know print us the shirts at cost so that we can you know retain as much as we can and then um i partnered with um alpha graphics here in, in downtown raleigh and they've printed these yard signs for us and so that's the the campaign that you saw this morning um since we can't gather normally you know we we rally up, we get everybody together downtown. We, you know, we speak, um, but since we can't do that, um, I'm having people sponsor yard signs and since I've got kind of a a landmark house with a lot of traffic that goes by, um, the idea is to fill the yard like with hundreds of these signs, um, and just draw more attention to the, the fundraising effort and see, see if we can get some money. Um, there's a few outlets for it here in North Carolina. There's um, Siembra NC um, and there's uh, El Pueblo um, that are trying to work on uh, kind of whittling out the restaurant worker part of this. Um, th- those institutions are already, those nonprofits are already you know, uh, connected to these communities, but not specifically in a restaurant way. Um, so they're working with me trying to figure out how to get this money allocated um but yeah, we've we've had a, some good success so far. Um and the campaign will be running at least through the end of the month.
0: So uh how do you whatever amount of money you raise, how do you distribute that? Um and I guess that's what you were just referring to. I mean, how, how does somebody apply and how do you decide how much they get? Is it
1: Right, so that's, we're kind of basing it off of the model for that um, Triangle Restaurant Workers Relief Fund that then became the North Carolina Restaurant Restaurant Workers Relief Fund. Um, that's on the nonprofit. So, you know, they're, they have to organize that, but it would basically be the same application. You know, you would say where you worked, um, you would say what you need assistance with, um, and then there's, you know, kind of a raffle of, you know, being analyzed, and you know, we would offer grants using this money um, to help pay some bills uh, and things like that. The you know the the triangle restaurant worker is really fun. I think that that uh, grant maxed out at around five hundred dollars. Um, you know, we haven't we haven't been able to bring in money anywhere close to um, being able to offer that to everybody. But hopefully, if this grows, um, you know, we'd be able to to offer something like that that's the, that's the plan right now. And it's a lot of it's still being figured out. Um, but it would start here in the triangle and then would, would flesh out to kind of the state as a whole.
0: Well, I'm stoked, man. To uh, I bought my shirt. I can't wait to, uh, sport that thing around my house, I guess for now, but, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but where do people go that hear this and say, I'm in, I want to, I want to help these folks. What do they do?
1: Um, right now we're, you know, it's a tiny operations so we're just, we're working off of Instagram. Um, and then the handle is just all hands Raleigh. Um, and you go there and there's a little Shopify store and they, you can click on the link in the bio there and you can pick up some shirts, you can sponsor some signs. Um, and you can write me directly if there's, you know, if, if there's another contribution that you'd like to make, you know, other people have reached out with all sorts of creative ideas, you know, all the chefs and everybody is saying, you know, like we want to do a big dinner, and then they say, "Oh, well, but we can't <laughs> because of this." So, I think once once the restrictions kind of lighten up, the idea of this campaign will be we'll, we'll be able to get much bigger um, contributions because we'll be able to do more events and things like that. Um, so, just follow us on Instagram and kind of see where we go.
0: Okay, sounds good. So all hands Raleigh. Uh so, so check that out, y'all. And um, yeah, it could be something that you guys could, you know, if you get something that's replicatable and tight, you could, you know, not just North Carolina, but this could spread all over the uh all of the country. Kind of like Ben's friends, you know. Um
1: Exactly. I mean there's there's some states have had, you know, they've had a lot more success with this and they've been able to kind of fold in some of these folks um into the general kind of relief efforts. Um, you know the the north carolina fund that was that was created um you know f- there were no stipulations on kind of uh, eligibility as far as that goes other than that you were working in the industry um and so you know it's it's going to take kind of outside donations and stuff it, you know we won't we won't be able to get that money necessarily from the government here in north carolina but you know Tons of tons of people feel the cause and um, and just love our restaurant scene and want to see everybody make it out.
0: Well, um, one last thing I want to ask: Do you still have? I asked for like twenty minutes, and now I've doubled that. Do you got five more minutes? Sure. Okay. The last thing I want to ask you about is um, your thoughts on whether North Carolina should open up temporarily the ability for restaurants and bars to serve alcohol to go and I ask that because Virginia's doing that South Carolina's doing that a lot of states are doing that and that's such a high margin um offering we aren't doing that what are your thoughts
1: we're we're missing it (laughs) completely I mean it's it yeah it's it's a huge it would be a huge revenue stream people want it you know everybody's trying to do these mixers and sell that. And I'm not sure how successful people are being. I mean, I see them out there, you know, on social media that people are buying, you know, a painkiller base, and then they're adding their own rum at home and that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's everything that we can do. Um, But if they would just allow us to to sell liquor, I mean, that's what keeps these businesses alive. I mean, and um, I think that there's responsible ways to do it. You know, we've got, um, I know a guy at Pallone, you know, I have like, hundred permits for premixes of things for, you know, parties and stuff where we could fully batch a cocktail and it's exactly like you would have it in the restaurant and it's delicious and easy. And, you know, you can offer those things at, at a, a discounted rate, um, you know, breaking it down to like $5 a cocktail. And, you know, it's a good value for the, for the person that loves those drinks and wants to have them at home. Um, and it's still a good margin for us at the at the bar. I mean, I've, I hope that they wise up, but this state is just antiquated when it comes to that stuff, and I, I doubt that it will happen. If it does, it would be fantastic. Why
0: Why is it so antiquated, Mark? What, what's the problem? Because it's you're talking about, okay, number one, like if you're a politician, you go, well, if we do this— we get a lot of people back at work because all of a sudden bartenders can come back to work. That's a plus. Those are voters. You get tax revenue, lots of tax revenue that comes in from that. It, what what's the hold up? I don't get it.
1: I think honestly, from from my seven or eight years in this in the bar business, it seems like. The people just don't want to do anything different, that it's not even they're not even necessarily having the thought process of could this be a good thing. Um, So many systems, even just special ordering liquor in the state, you know, when when we opened Gaio in in 2015, um, you know, we had started trying to amass a mezcal selection. um, And, you know, we were the, the only mezcal bar in North Carolina, and it was I mean, such an uphill battle just getting those spirits into the state, whereas other states, you know, it's easy peasy. Um, and it was all just paperwork. It was just, you know, two or three documents that people had to fill out, and you just couldn't get people to do the job. And there was no incentive for them. You know, they could they could push the button on the computer and bring a pallet of, you know, Jack Daniels in, or they could fill out a document to bring in 12 bottles of something special and they just, they just wouldn't do it. Um, and you're still, you're getting the same tax out of each bottle, whether it's mezcal or whether it's, you know, a bottle of Jack. And and so I I never understood why, you know, we tried to be as friendly as when still do try to be as friendly as we can with folks over at the the ABC here. Um, it it just, everybody kind of points fingers in a circle and you just never get an answer. I, I don't know why I think it's, We've got a lot of people that have been in these positions for a really long time and, you know, they're just on cruise control. And I don't think that they want to, want to mess mm. with
0: that. Who, who, who could help push that forward? Is it, do you have to go to the ABC board? Do you go to governor Cooper? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, individuals and organizations that are trying to push this. Where do you go?
1: I, honestly, I do not know the answer to that. I mean, I've, um, I've seen a petition that went around. Um, I know that, that uh, Sean over at Kingfisher was had kind of done up a, a, a letter that you could kind of add your signature to um, campaigning for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, when it was brought up to me in the beginning, I just I thought it was so far-fetched because of my experience here that, you know, I just... Yeah, <laughs> went, back, went back to you know how do we sell tacos? Yeah, I know we it, can it, sell tacos. There you um, go. So
0: yeah, yeah, I'm fascinated by that. I was really surprised when I heard that. That was another thing Brett told me yesterday. I couldn't believe. I mean, South Carolina's doing it. Like, oh my jeez, <laughs> man! Like, it's not like it's you know, it's not some crazy you know, just out there idea. It's like. <laughs> would help a lot of I mean, businesses and people and the state right now. I mean, I, we, you know, do it responsibly and do it for a short period of time, but good grief. Like, what?
1: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, you know, I still drive to South Carolina to buy alcohol sometimes for my home bar because, you know, it's it's privatized there. And so, you know, people can offer better deals. They can curate, yeah. you know, have different spirits and all that stuff. And it's just it a different, they're, you know, it's three hours away and it's a totally different world. Um, you know I, I don't know why things <laughs> are so old timey here in North Carolina. Hopefully they will they will eventually change. I mean we've seen change in in the past five years. We've seen some things relax, but I mean at this pace, hopefully I'll be retired by the time. By the
0: time <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's not through lack of Herculean effort by a lot of people to get things to change. Um, well, okay, man. Well, listen if you're listening, if you're in North Carolina, just. I don't know, call your call your local, uh, call somebody, call the governor's office, call the ABC, just, I mean, the more noise, the more likely that maybe something will happen, I don't know, I wouldn't hold exactly. out hope like you said, but gosh knows, it's such a, it's a win for everybody involved. The consumer who's cooped up at home and, you know, would love to ha- support local bars and restaurants, the bartenders, the restaurants themselves, the landlords who, you know, (laughs) like there's this chain and then the tax revenue. Good grief. All right, man. Well, listen, I'm gonna let you roll. Tell Angela and everybody I said, hello, we love y'all. Y'all are awesome. And uh, as you know, man, anytime, uh, anything I can do, always happy to help.
1: Absolutely. Let me, I'll throw one thing in there. Just uh, food for thought on this North Carolina thing. They did offer, I don't know if you've heard about this, but they offered to buy back your alcohol have you heard about this? No. So, you know, there was, people were saying, like, can we sell back? Because a lot of businesses, you know, they're placing tens of thousands of dollars on the line every week, but with their liquor orders, and a lot of people had stocked up, you know, heavily before this thing and are sitting on thousands and thousands of dollars of product. Um, and they asked if they could sell back the liquor to the state, and finally the state approved that, um, but... You know, you pay three dollars and seventy-five cents in tax on top of the bottle price for bars and restaurants here in North Carolina, and you pay eight dollars, I believe, for a bigger bottle for the handles. Um, none of that money comes back. So <laughs> they offer you this; you can sell your bottles back, but then when you buy them back, you pay
0: double the tax. So, or when um, somebody else buys them, so they're getting they're getting uh, t- double the tax with no. That's fascinating okay well yep. it's an option <laughs> yeah right. All, right. all right man thanks marshall uh appreciate it man very much absolutely take care all right